You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. China, which has a history of wanting to control its citizens' access to the internet, and it does this through well, various means, mm-hmm. monitoring the internet. It apparently has the equivalent of call centres full of thousands of people who are actually manually blocking out mm-hmm. things that they don't like, keywords, yeah. uh, anything that's considered that a possible threat to the, uh, the well, ruling. they block Facebook and They don't uh, allow Facebook. And, yeah. Yeah. They have their own search engines. They do restrict the internet. It's not the same internet in China as it is in the rest of the world. There are other countries that do as well. I think Russia's fairly sensorial when it comes to the internet. The other thing they actually also do is VPN, so virtual private networks, which mm-hmm. is a way of sort of circumventing the data retention rules. Well, it's, it's designed to be secure, so mm. securing your own internet traffic, so yeah. if you're sending sensitive documents, mm. but it can also be used about you know going around you know protective measures. Yeah, yeah. which in Australia are things like the data retention rules yes. where uh, ISPs are required to keep your internet, uh, you know, searching and, and traffic data on record for I think up, up to two years mm. so that it can potentially, if something happens, they can look back at that and they can and they can sort of retrace what you've been up to. In China, it's even more onerous. They are apparently cracking down now on using aliases to post comments. Mm. So if you want to participate in, a, in some kind of chat room over there, you have to use your real name, your real identity, mm. so that if you say something that's you know, considered seditious or anti-government, then you you can be. Uh, you can get expected to knock on the door. Yeah. I think the, the problem with this is that um, going down this path means that identity theft will increase or rise if uh, people are forced to use an identity and say it's their own, mm. uh, but they want to remain hidden themselves. They will seek other people's identity, take that on board as their own, and then post, you know, under a different name. So, and that might be from Western countries, it might be from within China itself, but uh, it certainly would be a result. I, I would expect this as a result of forcing people to use their real, inverted quoted marks, yeah, uh, yeah. real well, names. Slightly hard to enforce, you'd reckon, and also open to abuse. Now, moving on, if you've been reading the news and, and you, you live up on the, uh, particularly the north coast of New South Wales, for some reason, there's been a lot of shark attacks. I think last year in 2016, Australia saw a total of 26 shark attacks, I guess most of them on surfers or swimmers, including two fatalities. So one of the things that they've done to try to protect people who are using the beaches in Australia, which are great beaches, and there's lots of them, there's tens of thousands of kilometres of coastline line is to put nets in mm. a lot of beach and that's quite controversial because there are other species yeah, dolphins, dolphins get caught and, up yeah, in it. there's an impact of that they're also looking to bring in other technologies to protect surfers in particular one of these is called shark spotter and it's a drone basically which flies around over the coast it has a, a high resolution video camera on board and a megaphone and it looks through the water, looks mm-hmm. from above, looks at this telltale shadow that you can see of a big fish, mm-hmm. and it actually uses a combination of video and still data and AI, deep neural learning, mm-hmm. to actually work out that's a shark, that's not a dolphin, that's a shark, that's not a swimmer. If it does decide that something's a shark, the megaphone is used to shout out yeah. a warning to get the surfer. The get out, there's a shark right behind yeah. you. Now, whether you can actually hear a drone megaphone from above, I guess, I don't know if it's loud enough, I suppose you can if it can swoop down and call out to you. It's been developed locally. So the University of Technology in Sydney, their school of software, they've been working on this. And according to Professor Michael Blumenstein, he said the technology will have a really positive impact for the public by using technology that makes us 
makes beaches safer. He says the system efficiently distinguishes and identifies sharks from other targets by processing video feeds that are dynamic as well as images where objects are static. So a bit of comfort for surfers who don't want to wind up like Mick Fanning nearly did over in South Africa. Now, the Babylonian civilization was at its peak about 4,000 years ago. Now, this is modern-day Iraq, that sort of Mesopotamian region. The Babylonians were very good at maths, and they invented the concept of zero and they also developed the base 60 number system, which we still use today to describe time, where there's 60 minutes in an hour. Mm -hmm. There are advantages to using that anyway. There was a tablet that was discovered in Iraq some time ago, and they'd never actually fully understood it. Now some University of New South Wales mathematicians, Daniel Mansfield and Norman Wildberger, have actually deciphered this tablet, and they describe the tablet as a trigonomic table of a completely unfamiliar kind ahead of its time by thousands of years. So rather than the Greeks actually discovering trigonometry, Mm -hmm. it was well before that in ancient Mesopotamia. They did it by putting the triangle inside a rectangle and completely circumvented the idea of sine, cosine, and tan, which are the keys to the trigonometry Mm -hmm. we use today. There are lots of advantages to the Babylonian trig system, according to Wildberger. He and Mansfield say that the base 60 or sexagesimal system is far more accurate than the decimal system we're used to. That's because there are no approximations in Babylonian trig. Base 60 allows mathematicians to do more with whole numbers and for building things and for working out slopes and for working out the size of lands Mm -hmm. for crops and that sort of thing, which is what they were using this this mathematics for Mm -hmm. 4,000 years ago. It was perfect and probably better than the technologies which we use today. If you have something which is identified as a length of 10, then divide that by three and you're not getting that, you know... You don't get a whole number. A whole number, Mm. Whereas if you identify that same length as a you know, length of 60 and divide it by 3, well, you can have 20 of, of those. So yep. it's using the different bases, the base 60 versus base 10. Yep. yep. We'll post some links if you want to read more about this. And there's a video as well. The Cassini mission's winding up at Saturn. It's going to crash into the atmosphere in, in uh, September 15 this year. That's a deliberate crash, so they're calling the missions over. They don't want that spacecraft to accidentally crash into one of the moons of Saturn. Mm-hmm. They'd rather do a controlled crash while they've got control of the spacecraft. Mm-hmm. They don't want to risk the pristine, possibly life-harboring moons. What they've come up with, and this has actually been proposed by the same research institute that did the New Horizons. It's the um, John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab. They've come up with a, a very compelling quadcopter mission to Titan. Titan's that very large moon. It's, I think it's, in, it's over 5,000 kilometers in diameter. It's bigger than the planet Mercury. If it wasn't in orbit around Saturn, it would actually probably be considered a planet in its mm. own right. It's bigger than Pluto, the dwarf planet. And it's got a very, very thick atmosphere. It's got liquid ethane and methane lakes. Mm-hmm. It's got some very interesting chemical process happening in its atmosphere. It rains hydrocarbons down on the surface. So it is a place that's of interest where you might find a form of life kind of similar to what primordial conditions might have been like on Earth billions of years ago. The idea is to send a quadrocopter to Titan, be Mm -hmm. nuclear-powered, and has the benefit of being able to take off and and go to multiple locations, fly for extended periods of time over the surface of Titan, look at those lakes, look at different aspects of the geology, carry a gamma-ray spectrometer for measuring the composition of the the shallow subsurface, a meteorology and geophysics sensor would measure atmospheric conditions such as wind, pressure, temperature, and other factors, 
and mass spectrometry would reveal the composition of the surface and the atmosphere. The real benefit of using this type of thing is that the atmosphere is so thick, it's denser than the Earth's atmosphere. Mm -hmm. According to the scientists behind this proposal to NASA, which is not yet funded, it started in 2019, if it gets funded, if you were carrying wings, if a human was standing on the surface of Titan, the atmosphere is so thick and the gravity is weak that you could strap on some wings and fly. Like like Birdman, you know. So a quadcopter would do really well. It wouldn't be difficult to fly in that thick atmosphere. So it's kind of in between a swimming and a you know walking around in our atmosphere. Almost, yeah. yeah that's, it's, it's a bit like that. And when the Huygens lander descended down to the surface in 20, 2005, that was delivered by the Cassini orbiter, uh, it uh, it took over an hour just to float down on a parachute mm. and, and just soft land without any retro rockets or anything. It just floated down on one yeah. chute. So that's how dense the atmosphere is. So it lends itself to a quadcopter. And I did tweet a video about that during the week it's on our website beyondinfinity.com.au John what have you got for us well Google's done another cleanup of uh, their apps and this time it's pulled over 500 apps which had more than 100 million downloads so these are you know somewhat popular these apps mm. when developers put together apps they can either write all the code 100% themselves or they might draw on other people's existing code and then incorporate a piece in that. And this is what has happened with the majority of these. So there's a software development kit called iJexon and that is a sort of an advertising network company and if you put that into your app, your development app, ads can show on your network through this system. So many of these or all of these were using this system here but unfortunately there was malicious, there was a malicious version that was then changed so when the apps linked back to this system there was malicious content or things that were happening with this right and it meant that there was uh, stolen data including gps locations list of nearby wi-fi networks and installed apps so google identified this and have removed these they haven't gone through the list and named them all but it basically had games that targeted at teens one which actually had 50 to 100 million downloads there was weather apps internet radio apps photo editors educational health and fitness travel emoji home video and camera apps so right. quite so, a broad range yeah. and that's a lot of these would be using an, an advertising network and that's why they've they've gone so look it's it is good to see google doing that cleanup it is concerning to see that how easy it is to, to bypass their security checks in the first place mm. now maybe we have a solution to a big warehousing problem that many companies face and that is the loss of stock through you know misplacing or shrinkage you know, well so you know when you do your end of year financial year counting at your stock you might find that hang on our books so we had millions or billions you know we're talking about amazon or companies that size mm. uh, more than you know we actually have so <laughs> there's a huge loss that's here mm. and so you know where's it gone and mit may have been able to solve this problem and that's due to a new RFID system that they're looking to incorporate through drones. So at the moment, uh, RFID, which is radio frequency identification, and if you have your device close enough to this RFID chip, then it will say, you know, scan in and it will send off the signal saying, yes, this is product XYZ. Right. If you're too far away from that, it's not going to do anything. Now, these drones, which MIT have developed, basically allow an aerial drone to work from tens of metres away and identify the location of a package within a 90 centimeter radius of accuracy hmm. so it means you can have drones flying around and then just like pinpoint like yep it's over there yep it's over there could be easier and quicker stock count and yeah less loss again the automation of the workforce is mm. uh, is full full speed ahead Forget your pickers and packers yeah mm. now trump's cybersecurity advisors have resigned uh, this goes you know he's got many of different advisors from different divisions Re- that, revolving 
door at the White House. Leaving, the cybersecurity advisors has cited his insufficient attention to threats. So a quarter of the members of the National Infrastructure Advisory Council, whose purview includes national cybersecurity, have resigned. Hmm. They fault both Trump's decision to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accords and his inflammatory statements after Charlottesville attacks. Hmm. The letter also zeroed in on insufficient attention to the growing threats to the cybersecurity of the critical systems upon which all Americans depend. So we'll post a link to more information on that. And uh, just finally from me, uh, just a scam watch update for listeners out there. So watch out for NBN scams. So we've talked a lot about the NBN and uh, I guess the failings of the network. It is becoming available to many more Australians as each day progresses. Mm. However, this means that uh, scammers calling people up or even knocking on their doors to try and con people into signing up with essentially fake plans. Mm. What they're doing is uh, offering payment via iTunes gift cards that might say, well, you know, we'll give you the NBN, you have to give us gift cards. So if that's the requested payment method for really anything, uh, walk away. Uh, What they also do is they'll offer to set the system up and by doing so, they'll gain access remotely to computers and steal personal valuable information, install malicious software, or even demand payment to fix problems that they've discovered on, the, on your system. So just be very wary of who's offering you different plans. If you're not sure, then do some research online but first before committing to anyone. You've got plenty of time to, to, to sign up. So yeah. you know, do your research, call friends, family, a tech support guy, go online and look at the NBN providers. I think they even have a list of recommended providers. Exactly. And just because Telstra sends you a free modem so that you can switch on with them if you're an existing customer doesn't mean you have to go with Telstra. Exactly. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.